Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. seems to be on the scale for the media in these in these suits and my argument is that's because of what the court did in New York Times versus Sullivan back in 1964 the significance of that case is that it changed the standards under which libel cases are heard in modern America the traditional standard was that you had to be able to demonstrate that you'd been falsely defamed that the media said or somebody said something about you that was erroneous and damaging to your reputation in that case, the court came in and said, we're going to reinvent the libel standards for public figures and say that public figures have to show something in addition. They have to show that their defamer acted with actual malice, which is a technical legal term, meaning you have to show that they either knew what they said was false or that they acted with reckless disregard for the truth. And in practice, that's cashed out into a system where it's very, very difficult for any public figure, especially to prevail in a libel suit. This is Carson Holloway. He's with the Claremont Institute, and this was part of a discussion that Governor DeSantis hosted uh, late last week in which they were talking about the possibility of reforming the uh, the way uh, slander and libel works and defamation particularly, which is kind of the general category here. But, you know, when somebody publishes, or like in my case, radio says, something that is false and harmful to somebody else's reputation – you know, how do you get compensation for that and to what degree can you get compensation for that? And New York Times versus Sullivan is one of these, you know, seminal famous cases where and it had to do with um if I remember correctly, it was a uh, it was an ad that was taken out in the New York Times. It wasn't even New York Times original reporting, but it was an ad taken out by um some supporters of Martin Luther King Jr. about police abuse in the South, and the ad had inaccuracies in it. You know, this group bought an ad publishing things that were not true about the police chief in the city that they were criticizing, and the police chief sued, and the Alabama courts um, granted them defamation in the case against the New York Times for not doing you know, their due diligence and basically for publishing something that was false and defamatory. And the New York Times you know, tried to defend themselves by saying, Look, these are public figures. This is important reporting. Uh, we, you know, we didn't engage in you know reckless disregard of the truth. We just happened to publish something that was paid for by somebody else that happened to be false. And uh, you know, the Supreme Court said, yeah, that's right. They created this uh, you know absence of you know malice standard in which you know it's not enough just to be wrong. You have to be either intentionally wrong, as in lying, when it's a public figure or a person of note, or you have to be sort of negligent in what you should have investigated to find out that it was false. That's kind of and they decided the New York Times was not in that case. Well, the problem you have nowadays, as Carson Holloway is pointing out, is that you know it becomes almost impossible to sue a media company. Uh, or any media organization when they get stuff wrong, and especially in the current environment where there's such a rush to get information out, you have inaccuracies, you have social media where things can spread like wildfire. And you know, one of the cases that they talked about quite a bit was the Nicholas Sandman case, where you know he doesn't do anything wrong, and he gets turned into a national pariah on TV because he happened to be wearing a MAGA hat and standing there taking uh, abuse from somebody, and the whole story was wrong. And he winds up suing and reaching a settlement with CNN over their inaccuracies. And there's other cases related to this, but that's the point: is 
how do you get control of these you know, very, very powerful, not just media companies, but social media can also be relevant here as well. How do you get control of that while also still maintaining freedom of the press to cover, you know, public figures and to cover stories of note? Well, that's the conversation that they were having. And what I argue is that um, this is distorting our politics in fundamental ways in the first place because we're supposed to have a system of self-government. That means that people, the people, choose who to elect to be their leaders. And in a properly functioning democratic culture, the media would assist them in that by providing truthful and accurate information, not defamatory smears of public figures. So it really discombobulates our ability to govern ourselves. Because on the one hand, you want to be able to protect the media in publishing things that are true. And and by the way, truth is always a defense. If something is true, it by definition cannot be defamatory. Um, it it, can, it might harm somebody, but it's not it's not legally culpable because it's true. Truth is always a defense. The question is when you get something wrong, or when you give a slant on something that's wrong. And the problem is now that knowing they've got so much protection, legal protection from getting sued, especially from people who are public figures, and the problem now is you define almost everybody as a public figure, uh, or potentially they can be, that there's reckless disregard for getting the story right. And that's the problem is what do you do when individuals particularly get dragged into the spotlight and have their lives ruined uh, where the media company who's looking for salacious headlines or who's willing to fabricate? And that happens, too. You know, it's still really, really, really hard to get judgments on your side. And so there's no deterrence, basically, for that kind of bad behavior. All you've got is. We want to get clicks. We want to sell ads. We want to have numbers. We want to be popular. And therefore, we'll do whatever we can, even if that means, you know, slanting, fabricating, whatever. These things really do happen, not perhaps as often as you think, but they really do happen. And what's the check on that? And as Carson Holloway says, look, you know, we're trying to figure out who to vote for. And you can't be uh, you can't honestly figure out who to vote for if you know that media companies are lying to you or at least not doing their job properly in terms of being fair arbiters of information because they're the ones who are supposed to inform the electorate and about what to do and if that's not happening then the you know the democracy is predicated on the available information if the press is not doing their job properly then that's biasing elections and that means it's undermining our ability to self-govern i think it introduces pernicious inequalities into our law another important american principle is equality before the law why should some people have to demonstrate more than others to prevail in a libel suit, which is what New York Times versus Sullivan requires. Yeah, again, you have a two-standard system, therefore everybody's not equal under the law. You have one standard for ordinary people and one standard for, you know, politicians, or somewhere in between, people who just happen to get into the spotlight. And with social media, anybody can get into the spotlight, whether justified or not. And then finally, um, we lose sight of this. We've talked about reputations being destroyed. I think courts sometimes speak of reputational interests. If we go back to the founders, we're reminded that People have a right to their reputation. Reputation is a right as precious and as important as one's property, one's life, one's liberty. And so another fundamental purpose of American law is to protect rights. And I think New York Times versus Sullivan has needlessly eroded our ability to protect people's rights. And I say needlessly because the last part of my argument is, and perhaps we can get into this later, it's not really required by the Constitution. The actual malice standard is an invention of the Supreme Court inconsistent with the way the founders thought about libel and freedom of speech. Yeah, it, the argument here is that you don't need to give this extra layer of protection, this malice standard where you have to intentionally be lying or you have to show you know real negligence about how you research your case or whatever. Just 
if if you can have ordinary defamation standards where you publish something that's false that you reasonably should have done a better job of figuring out, that's enough. Then you don't have to have all this extra protection uh, when it comes to now. There, there's another argument to be had, okay, and it's a fair point that um, the reason that this original case came to be and the reason that there's still a concern about protecting media companies is because um, people will file lawsuits against them in order to discourage them from publishing true things. And if it's easier to win settlements and judgments against media companies, then more people will file them. That will protect the cases that previously were discouraged because they didn't think they could win that were right, they should win. But that will also encourage frivolous suits and suits that are done in order to shut them up. Right. I mean, it, take this case out of Alabama. Right. If, you know, they wanted to shut the reporting down and it happened to be that some of the reporting was false, but they didn't want any of this reported. And so you want to be able to protect the press in publishing the truth. You want to give some kind of ability to yeah, everybody's going to make mistakes. How do you protect for that? But at the same time, you don't want to uh, completely disincentivize the obligation to do your work, do your diligence, and be fair uh, in the way you report things. So it's it's a really good question of how to solve this problem because the other slice of this is the host- the environment is so hostile to people that everybody knows. Like if I ask you this question, you know, um, why is it good people avoid going into politics? You know, the answer isn't because they can't win. The answer isn't because they're afraid of knocking on doors and doing the work. Those things, yeah, I mean, they might be factors. The answer is because it's going to ruin your life. I mean, unless you get lucky, if you go into politics, you are going to be not just hated by the people who disagree with you. That's one thing. But you are going to be mischaracterized, misportrayed, and sadly, all too often by people who are in my industry are going to misrepresent you and lie about you. And that's horrible (laughs) because we should be able to, at the very least... Trust that, you know, there's going to be accurate, honest, fair reporting by, you know, people like me, the PNJ, WEAR, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, NBC, you know, all of these people, right? We should be able to trust that they're doing decent reporting. So how do you solve this problem? Well, one thing is by understanding, you know, how the legal system is set up. It's very, very hard to win these cases, in part because of the way the standard is set up with the Supreme Court decision, in part because of the way, um, like if I get hurt in an accident, I can get injury uh, uh, compensation from you if you hurt me and do something stupid. Uh, But if you publish something that hurts my reputation, that income that I might get from that defamation harm is taxed, which chips away at the value of that lawsuit. And so it's that much harder to get a good lawyer to represent you because First of all, they know it's hard to win because of Sullivan. They also know that you're not likely to recoup very much because it's going to come out, the tax are going to come off first. So there are certain structural defects in the way the system is built, and that's one of them. Uh, another is, again, you know, fixing the New York Times versus Sullivan, obviously, and uh, undoing that, you know, that actual malice standard. And there are some other suggestions they had as well, including statute of limitations, you know, allowing these cases to be brought later because you can look back and see how a story turned out to be false and how it harmed you, which raises the level of damages, um, requiring the keeping of records. You know, they, one of the things that came up in this roundtable was like CNN keeps records on its stories for 60 days. That's outrageous. <laughs> I mean, that's not enough time. And the point is, you, you, you go into Discover and you look for evidence that they were biased or negligent in their reporting, and they'll say, well, we only keep our records for 60 days, so you can't show that we didn't do our due diligence because we can't show you anything about what happened 90 days ago or 120 days ago. 
And that's a problem. You know, there, so there's all kinds of pieces to this. Of course, the New York Times, who is the famous plaintiff in that lawsuit way back when, um, they came out with an article that was very hand-wringing about how Governor DeSantis, uh, DeSantis, aiming at a familiar foil, wants to roll back press freedom. Well, that's one perspective, <laughs> you know, and I understand that perspective. But the other perspective is DeSantis wants to bring balance to reporting and uh, defamation lawsuits, which is kind of the way I see what he's trying to do. 523 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Every Volkswagen has style and performance, but there's something else that comes with new VWs from Peak More Imports, and it's called Carefree Coverage. VW Carefree Coverage is standard on VW crossovers and SUVs and includes the first two years of manufacturer maintenance intervals for two years or 20,000 miles, whichever occurs first, and it's free. So with the 2023 Taos S starting from 25641, you're covered with carefree maintenance. The Tiguan S from 28 to 27, it's covered with carefree maintenance. And the seven-passenger Atlas SE with technology from 42632. It's covered with VW Carefree Maintenance. Plus, all of these models are available for 3.9% financing. So go carefree with carefree maintenance on your next crossover or SUV from Pete Moore Imports. They're not in Car City, so you won't pay Car City prices. Pete Moore Imports, New Warrington Road, Pensacola. Prices before tag, tax, title, and associated dealer fees. Special financing rate for qualifying credit through BCI. See dealer for details. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy, Rizenkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months, and SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Join Stephen Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College on the Pensacola Expert Panel tomorrow at 10 a.m. Key Marine Center is sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. It's a dream team, so join them tomorrow at 10 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. Stream us online at NewsRadio923.com or download the News Radio Pensacola app. Contempt of court? Oh, contempt is a strong word. I sure don't like court very much. I know we didn't play it on Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, what was the uh, what was the joke Jimmy Fallon made uh, last night? It was it's nat you know February fifteenth is uh, National Singles Awareness Day or something like that, and he's like, yeah, I think there's no day in the calendar that is more National Singles Awareness Day than February fourteenth already is. Uh, <laughs> David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines, David. 
The residents of a small town in Ohio now demanding answers after the rail company didn't show up for a town meeting about that big derailment over in Ohio. The citizens of East Palestine held a meeting last night to uh, discuss the derailment that forced a lot of people out of their homes homes two weeks ago. Uh, apparently, representatives from the railway company did not show up. Yeah, they, they claim that uh, due to you know threats against their employees and a sense of unsafety, the inability for them to be safe at the meeting is what they said, why they didn't show up. Well, not showing up may uh, make, make that, that worse. a little worse. Yeah, yeah. And for, I mean, that's human nature, right? For sure. Uh, two suspects now in custody after a deadly mall shooting in Texas. El Paso Police Chief uh, Peter Pasilas says that one person died, three people were hurt after gunfire broke out in the Shello Vista Mall last night. And President Biden apparently is going to have something to say, possibly today, about all the unidentified objects that were shot down out of the sky recently. Uh, reports say Biden could speak sometime today about uh, about all of that. So it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say. I like what my friend uh, John Hayward put on Twitter. He's like, yeah, the balloon people of Proxima Centauri picked a bad weekend to come visit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's kind of funny. <laughs> 528 here on News Radio 92.3. Oh, man. What else do we have going on this morning? Um Oh, one of the things um, you've got, uh, you know, we're talking about what Governor DeSantis is trying to do with regards to, uh, you know, media. And um, there's actually a really interesting story that came out yesterday that it it doesn't exactly fit, but you'll get why it's kind of sort of related, is there was a hot mic moment where a reporter for First Coast News, her name is uh, Atia Collins, and she was caught on a, basically on mics so it was live, talking to one of the other reporters ahead of the press conference that Governor DeSantis was doing. My job here is to ask the tough questions and... She's talking to another reporter, okay? Just kind of, you know, chit-chatting, right? My job here is to ask the tough questions and make him uncomfortable, I guess. Good. You, you go for it. I'm going to try. I'm try at least get one. My job is to make him uncomfortable, talking about DeSantis, and the other reporter says, you go for it. She's like, I'm going to try. I have, I have the three that I want to throw at him. I don't, you know... If they even give us time to ask questions. I have three questions I want to throw out. My web manager was like, just run up to him when he when he gets off the stage and just yell questions at him. I'm like, whoa. whoa. No, I did that last year when he was leaving SLP and he just smiled at me. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't think that's going to work. I'm going to try. to. He already doesn't like the media. So his her web manager told her, just go yell questions at him when he's leaving. And the guy's like, I tried that one time. It doesn't really work. So then in the actual press conference toward the end, she asks the question. She's asking the question about the reports and pictures on social media of bookshelves being covered and empty where teachers are getting rid of all their books out of fear that they're going to get in trouble for having banned books. And he says, Yo, that was a fake narrative. That was not true. And our press guys were is Brian back there. He can get you the details on that. Uh, this is trying to create some narrative as if that they hadn't even put the books out yet to begin with. So there's no need for all of that stuff. What they're trying to do is they're trying to act like somehow, you know, we don't want books. So she then asks him a question, which is based on fake reporting that's been disproven about those shelves. They hadn't stocked the shelves yet. There was this notion that teachers are just getting rid of all the stuff turns out not to be true. And so he criticize her on it so it's not just that she's trying to embarrass him or make him feel uncomfortable but she's asking a fake news question that he then debunks fox news i'm chris foster 
A high school gym in East Palestine, Ohio, is packed with people asking, is the town safe after a train derailment and chemical burnoff? The train company sent no one to the meeting, citing fears for employee safety. President Linda Murphy found that ironic. They're worried about their safety. They're fearing their safety when they put everybody here in danger. East Palestine's mayor, Trent Conaway, promising. They screwed up our town. They're going to fix it. A representative from the EPA says tests on the town's municipal wells and the air have all come back safe. Residents asking why then are they suffering from headaches, burning eyes, and sore throats. Fox's Jack Callahan. Two Tennessee National Guardsmen are killed in a Black Hawk helicopter crash in Alabama. It didn't sound like a normal, I guess, motor or engine or anything running. It sounded like it was sick, if you want to put it that way. There are no survivors. The cause of the crash is under investigation. The highway where that helicopter went down is closed until at least this afternoon. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 News Radio 923. I'm David Wayne. 69 degrees right now across the area. Baptist Hospital says their cardiac center already ranks among the top 2% of hospitals nationwide, and the improvements coming to their new campus, they say, uh, is going to make sure it stays that way. A patient could come in to see one of our non invasive cardiologists uh, and very well need our electrophysiology services same day and have a consult from this physician to that physician or uh, consult to our interventional services. Uh, so this happens on a daily basis happening as we're speaking right now. Rachel Durval, the executive director for Baptist Heart and Vascular Institute, and she says uh, all heart and vascular clinics will be located on the same floor and the campus will be equipped with uh, one more electrophysiology lab, allowing for a 50% increase in capacity and reduced wait times for patients. The fight over that African-American studies course that was uh, rejected by Florida's Department of Education, well, it reached the state capitol yesterday. Reverend Al Sharpton led a rally and spoke out against Governor DeSantis's prior statements on wokeism. When you wake up, you get up. And you go to work. We ain't laying in the bed woke. We up. And we went from woke to work. And we gonna work on you, DeSantis, until we tell the whole story. And after releasing a revised version of that course, the college board released a statement accusing the state of slander and being uh, politically motivated. DeSantis said the course was rejected because of indoctrinating topics. Pensacola and NFL legend Emmett Smith has confirmed his father has passed away. On Twitter, Smith called his dad, quote, the man who inspired me to play the game of football. Emmett Smith Jr. grew up in Pensacola, was a standout running back in his own right. He turned down a football scholarship to care for his mother and went on to drive for ECAT until 2015. The governor going to continue to use what he calls a valuable tool to protect our citizens from President Biden's open border policies. Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill yesterday to create the unauthorized alien transport program. The program allows the state to transport migrants to other parts of the country. Lawmakers awarded the Division of Emergency Management $10 million to run that program. And the Alabama Department of Public Health has confirmed at least one case of norovirus detected in the state. This comes as the CDC is reporting outbreaks of the uh, stomach illness in at least 14 different states right now. Health officials warn that norovirus can be spread through contaminated foods, liquids, surfaces, and people who are already infected. It's 534 News Radio 92.3. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 forecast. 
This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. We're going to be seeing some showers and thunderstorms for the second half of the day today. A few storms could be strong. High today near 76 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 49. For Friday, we will have a few more showers and thunderstorms through the morning hours before things clear out in the afternoon. High Friday near 57 degrees. Friday night, temperatures cooling off quickly with lows near 36 degrees. We'll have sunshine return for the weekend with cool weather returning as well. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you, Brooke. It is 535, 69 degrees across the area right now. Your next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Pensacola's Morning News with Andrew McKay. Mornings 5 to 9. These kids who grow up in poverty often grow up in broken homes. They grow up in an environment where there's very little hope. If you lived in that environment, it's very easy to understand why people are largely a product of their environment. We need to get successful black men who have come out of that background in front of these kids when they're young enough for that example to make a difference. On News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Hi, I'm Billy Anderson with Anderson Subaru. The men and women here at Anderson Subaru are committed to the Subaru Love Promise, a promise between us and our communities, a promise to make the Gulf Coast a better place to live, to work, and to play. And we're proud of what we've accomplished. From our ongoing support of the Pensacola Breast Cancer Association and Ascension Sacred Heart to volunteering with Feeding the Gulf Coast, we've conducted clothing drives for loaves and fishes and charity auctions for Gulf Coast Kids House, and we support Sherwood Elementary School in multiple ways. We're committed to the pets in our communities, too. By supporting dog adoption events with Phoenix Rising Rescue, Barktoberfest with Pensacola Humane Society, and Potty Gras with Wolfgang Park and Bruce. And the love continues. Through donations, volunteering, and monetary support, Anderson Subaru is making a difference in the lives of our neighbors and our community. The Subaru Love Promise. That's a promise we intend to keep. At Anderson Subaru, Highway 29, just north of Car City, Pensacola. Online at andersonsubaru.com. Anderson's got a Subaru for you. This message is sponsored by the Florida A&M University Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Are you curious about marijuana? Florida A&M University established the Medical Marijuana Education and Research Initiative, also known as MARI, to educate the public about medical marijuana use as well as the detrimental health and social impacts of unlawful marijuana use on local communities. Find out more at mmeri.famu.edu. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. Fox News personality Brian Kilmeade, 11 to 1. After Pap Talk with Jenna Barr on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable.
Good morning, 538 News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Yesterday, as we do on Wednesdays, we had a chance to catch up with Mayor of Pensacola, D.C. Reeves, while he was on his way to Pensacola uh, to do some work with the legislators. Uh, D.C., welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Hello from downtown Carryville, Florida. <laughs> nice, nice. So first question, you said in your press conference yesterday that you had not had a chance to drive the Three Mile Bridge, and not that you need to to know what it's doing, but um, have you had a chance to drive it yet? I have not. We decided to go uh, I-10 East uh, this morning, but um, but I have seen photos, and I've seen that our uh, police department has stayed uh, quite active. Uh, I was able to get their uh, update of uh, you know, 21 tickets in the first hour and a half or something. Yeah. Effect. Um, but um, look, at the end of the day, you know, it, we're, we finally, finally, long overdue, um, you know, gotten this enormous project uh, pretty much uh, with finishing touches across the finish line and, um, and you know, trying to get people moved uh, throughout Gulf Breeze to our, you know, the jewel of tourism for us, um, I think is a good thing. And I, I know we're all excited to have, have this one, almost behind us. Yeah, no, most definitely. Do you have an opinion about when the final final is done and all three lanes, both directions are open and, you know, they're into the regular striping and everything is up to the what it's going to be eventually. Do you have an opinion about whether keeping that 45 miles an hour to the degree that you can affect that about whether 45 is the appropriate speed? Um, you know, of course, I'd rely on, you know, kind of our FDOT and, and our, our local law enforcement um, and, uh, you know, their expertise. And they've got certainly a lot more data than I, I would have. Um, you know, look, there's always that balance. You know, uh, I know we may talk about this a little bit later about, you know, I, I use Cervantes as an example. You know, Cervantes being 35 doesn't feel right. I mean, I, I haven't seen someone drive 35 on it in a while. You know, yeah. um, it's usually a little faster. Because it's twelve foot wide lanes and people move uh, fast, it's our, our brains are trained with that amount of space and those amount of lanes to drive faster. That doesn't mean we should go turn Cervantes to forty five, but it's a design issue more than it is a moving speed limit up and down issue. You know, and so I think you know could there be an argument for it? You know, to bump up a little bit. I mean, perhaps. Uh, but again, I mean. I would just rely on the data and the people who know that area best to know what the safest thing to do is there. And and speaking of that, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is uh, Pace. I was just driving it the other day, but Pace Boulevard um, has now gone through a restriping and, uh, you know, resurfacing. Uh, I mean, it looks great. Uh, the difference is I was driving on it yesterday and I thought, man, this feels uncomfortable i feel uncomfortable like the lanes are too narrow and it felt like you know the uh the 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 span of the bridge that was up for a while when we were driving there i mean those lanes feel very tight because they are tight compared to what you're used to and uh, still people speed but i had that kind of you know you you hunch in your shoulders and feel like you're going to run into the walls kind of feel even though it's still wide open i felt like going slower and then it dawned on me because, you know, I know originally the plan had been to do something like Cervantes along pace. I'm like, oh, God, not again. But then I realized they put in bike lanes. And so that takes width away from the pavement. And to me, that's an example of the psychology of road diets is even when you haven't changed the pavement at all, changing the lane striping to narrow it makes you feel like going slower, right? Absolutely. And, and I would say the best deterrent of speed, we there's a misnomer that speed bumps, that changing the speed limit 
are, you know, look, if we went to Cervantes, let's use the same example. If we went to Cervantes and turned it to 25, do you think people would start driving 25? <laughs> I mean, our, our brains are not trained to be in a 12-foot-wide lane, which I just got off the interstate, and those are 12-foot-wide lanes. Well, our brain tells us we can move here. You know, we can go a little bit faster because we've got the room. People can fly by us. That's okay because I'm not feeling uncomfortable. Uh, but the example I always give is going north on Ninth Avenue where the McDonald's and Krispy Kreme are, where the, that turn lane was jammed in to go westbound on Cervantes. Well, for a second there, when that lane's real narrow, you don't see a lot of people going 55 miles an hour through that. And and so um, anyone will tell you that, that are experts in this field that uh, there is no better deterrent of speeding and and some of the negative impacts of speeding more than, than narrowing the lane. So people hear road diet sometimes, and they mean – oh, we're not going to be able to move as much traffic through. That's not true. Right. Uh, road guide isn't always to go from two lane to one. A lot of times it's really just to narrow it and just tell tell the driver, hey, you can't move as quickly uh, as you used to be able to move through here. And and, and look, I, not to, to go back in the conversation, but you know, I think when it comes to Three Mile Bridge, if FDOT's serious about this 45 miles an hour, they striped the lanes wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, they they should have right. striped them like they do it on pace, and that would put cars closer to each other, which would mean more likelihood of a, a collision. But, you know, an enormous double shoulder and three very narrow lanes, people would drive slower. It's just that's human psychology. So uh, you and I have talked about this before, but you are actually implementing some changes to improve the situation on 17th Avenue to avoid having trucks and RVs run into Graffiti Bridge. You guys are going to turn it into a trucks-only road. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Right, sorry, no, tr- no trucks road. I said it exactly wrong. No trucks road. Thank you. Yeah, Not trucks only. Yeah, look. This is one of those – I said in my press conference yesterday, this is one of those situations where, you know, when I was on the other side of the glass not too long ago, not in city government, you look at this and say, as as all the emails I got this morning have already said, is why don't you put one of those things that goes over the, the road like a fast food restaurant? And I kind of chuckle at that because it's that's a conversation we're all having, you know, in the building yeah. too. But, you know, welcome, welcome to, you know, government and different layers of government. And this is a, a good crash course for me uh, early on is – you know, the state controls the south side. The city controls the north side. What can you put over it? You know, all those kinds of things. So uh, for all of those people emailing and thinking, man, it's just as easy. And it's kind of been my running joke uh, with Public Works in the building is to say, well, can I go out there this weekend and just I'll do it myself and just we build a thing, you know. Um, and and they're, they are working very diligently and hard at, at finding solutions. They know that we're, we want to be urgent about it. This is phase one, though, and this is we are going to make this a no-truck corridor. That means citations can be written if a truck is on it. Uh, And by the way, the southbound side on the city side was not that. So northbound had some identification with that formally, but southbound did not. Got it. So what we hope is we're not trying to write tickets. I mean, we don't want – what we want is for you to pull your GPS up and it say no truck. Right. If we formalize that. I think that's kind of our first phase, and we're going to add signage in, in very short order here, uh, maybe in the next seven days or so, some oh. additional signage for no truck. Wow. Um, so we're doing that. That is full steam ahead. And, again, big credit to Amy Tootle and our public works team for getting on that. And then the second phase, that doesn't mean we're going to stop there. We are looking for something physical that you could, you know, whether it's chimes, whether it's the thing that you see when you go under the McDonald's drive through whatever the case may be, we are continuing to work on kind of a physical approach as well uh, to help mitigate any of the issues that we see uh, at, at the trestle. And look, the trestle, when it gets hit, I mean, there's 
there's a lot of things that have to happen. You know, you know protocols with with the train, or, you know, with CSX and others. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of complexity, not just the traffic jam that that happens uh, when someone hits it. So you know, it's best for all of us, you know, to get to try to have to mitigate this as much as possible. Absolutely, and I know, you know, as you said yesterday, we all sort of there's a part of us that likes to enjoy the awfulness of it and the humor of it, but there really is a major cost to the people have it happen to their truck we'd like to prevent that just out of kindness to them and you know certainly the question of you know obviously the you know the bridge is 493 and oh so far but you know there could come a time where it becomes right. 493 and one and we don't want the one right that one is a big problem for for us if it happens uh so yeah uh one note by the way just as a I tell you this as an FYI, okay? Um, we sometimes go to the um, we go to Bayview to the dog park because it's a really good dog park facility. Um, I will tell you that the word on whether people are not allowed to smoke in the parks is not exactly disseminated. <laughs> And I'm not out there. I, I was not in favor of this ordinance to begin with. Um, I'm certainly not going to be telling people what they can do in a park. I'm, I'm just uh, alerting you as mayor that implementation and dissemination of that uh, knowledge has not quite happened. Is that you, you get where I'm coming from? Sure. And I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just get you a, a pad, a, cit- a citation. Pad for us <laughs> I don't there. want so it. I, I will not do it. And if you ask me to put up a signs, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, so we, we always like to end on a little bit of a lightning round, ask DC some, uh, you know, quick fire questions, have a little bit of fun with them. Uh, so here goes. Uh, and some of these wind up being like there are frivolous topics that we have had recently. Yesterday was, was uh, Valentine's Day. Did you do anything special? Uh, four years in a row now, uh, you know, Caroline, my eight-year-old, my Valentine, we go to Waffle House. Uh, so we went to the Waffle House on Brent Lane. Um, so, yeah, we, we that's our tradition. She asked, told me when she was four, I asked where she wanted to go for Valentine's Day, and that's what she said. So, oh, uh, I love that. Alive. That's really cool. Do you, do you have a favorite movie romantic scene? Anything pop to mind as your favorite romantic movie scene? Oh man, I, you know I watch too much football. You know, I, uh, <laughs> people, I haven't seen Star Wars. I haven't seen Indiana Jones. I haven't seen The Godfather. You know, I've watched okay, too much all football. Right. Uh, you know, to take up all my movie, my, my popular movie time. So. Okay, so the, so the romantic scene for you is when the guys are slapping each other's butts, high fiving, and dumping Gatorade on the coach. That's the romance for you. I said it better myself. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. That sounds truly like a sports reporter. And since you watch football. <laughs> Did you watch the Super Bowl? If so, what was your favorite commercial? Um, yes, I, yes, of course, watched the Super Bowl. But um, you know what? I just loved because everybody did what I did, that 2B commercial that made it look like somebody sat on the remote. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know if you saw You that, checked you the know, remote. Where everybody, including me, like freaked out about who, was, who sat on the remote. So I'm not saying for its artistic content, but just for its reaction. That was my favorite. It just understood. Just, you know, it, uh, it got psychology yeah. and got you to react, which is, you know, the goal of an ad. Take action, right? D.C. Reeves is the uh, mayor exactly. of Pensacola on his way to Tallahassee this morning to work with some of the legislators. Mayor, thanks so much, as always, for the time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. 549 on News Radio 92.3. Uh, I love that I'm going to the with his daughter to the Waffle House. That's just cool. <laughs> also, very frugal. I always appreciate that. Hey, if you are um, an owner of a BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, Genesis, Audi, Jaguar, Alexis, you know, nice import, uh, you paid good money to get a good car, right? So you might think, well, in order to get those imports serviced, I need to take them to uh, the dealership. 
And perhaps that dealership is in Mobile, therefore it's a long drive. Also, they charge a lot, you know, because the dealerships do. Uh, and uh, Bobby Likas wants you know, no, you don't have to take those cars to the dealership. They work on those all the time. No problem. No problem. And it's closer. It's, you know, save a little bit of money, get all the work done, no sweat. Uh, same for the diesel engines. Like, those are things that you might think, well, that's a little bit different. i got to take that to the dealer. No. They work on those all the time. Maybe not everybody does, but they do. No sweat. Uh, you can check them out online at carclinicservice.com. And the philosophy there is like a healthcare clinic for your car, car care service, carclinicservice.com. So the idea is to uh, treat your car the way you treat your body, which is you go to the doctor routinely, you go to the mechanic routinely, you do the preventative maintenance, you see them for the little stuff, so you don't have to see them for the big stuff to avoid that. That's the kind of the idea. In 2021, they were rated a top-rated service center, 4.5 average reviews or above by Carfax. So that's Bobby Likas Auto Service, where Whatever your car care needs right here on Davis Highway. Hello, this is Mary with Howard Young Flooring. Shopping for flooring can be a little overwhelming. At Howard Young Flooring, we are here to help you any way we can and answer any questions you may have so that you can make knowledgeable decisions. We understand the importance of each and every customer and would like to thank you for allowing us into your homes. For those we have not met, we hope to see you soon. Visit us today at 4333 Avalon Boulevard in Milton. We look forward to covering your future. Parents usually know if their children will argue over their inheritance, but this can be prevented. I'm Wesley Odom with Armada Advisors. No one wants to see their wealth wasted away because of poor planning. I've assisted several clients with estate planning ideas and sometimes have served as trustee or executor upon their death. Give me a call at 497-6167. Armada Advisors is charting a better course. Monday morning at 10.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel, get better health with scientifically proven technology that's not going to the gym. Diet supplements, pharmaceuticals, or medical treatment. Hear how OsteoStrong helps many improve bone density, posture, balance, athletic performance, and less joint and back pain. Find out more Monday morning at 10.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Tune in to News Radio Pensacola on the FM dial at 92.3 and 95.3. Listen on the AM dial at 1620. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. kicked off her presidential campaign and during her speech she called for politicians older than 75 to have a mandatory competency test yep competency test for politicians over 75 then biden said uh, i have a better idea competency test for politicians over 75 <laughs> oh man uh, president biden is getting uh, you you know the tide has turned when all of your you know, middle of the road to liberal comedians make fun of him a lot. <laughs> and that's happening. I mean, like, um, there was actually this interesting bit, Sarah Silverman, who I don't generally like all that much, but she did a bit on The Daily Show. She's the this week's host for The Daily Show. And uh, she was doing a bit about how this Newsmax reporter asked us really just... <laughs> 
dumb uh, question of Corinne Jean-Pierre yesterday. One of the most prominent themes that we hear from both elected Republicans and, and candidates um, has to do with uh, what is called wokeism. And so we hear so much talk about woke capitalism, a woke military, and so on. And by way of trying to clarify this for the American people, I wonder if we couldn't begin with a threshold question to wit. Is President Biden woke? <laughs> to wit. <laughs> if, you, if you ever find yourself in the middle of a conversation with another actual human being outside a court of law and you utter the words to wit, just knock the king over and resign. <laughs> you're done. You're out. That's a, you're disqualified. But no, his question is, is President Biden woke? <laughs> God. Look, man, if you're going to represent conservatives, you got to do better. I mean, if you just do normal, you'll get made fun of. You can't do that and not get made fun of. But the reason I wanted to play that is because you heard Jimmy Fallon making fun of Biden for his age and competency. Sarah Silverman, same thing. Is Joe Biden woke was like a hard-hitting question. The real hard-hitting question would be, is Joe Biden awake? I'm, I'm just, you know, if you pay attention to how he's being discussed and or satirized, it's open season on Biden's mental fitness among, again, moderate to liberal. This is not conservative comics. This is uh, moderate to, and uh, Silver, Silver, Silverman and, you know, Wanda Sykes, these are raging liberals. And uh, which is fine. I'm not criticizing. I'm just describing if you don't know them. Uh, and they're making these jokes, right? Like it's taken for granted. 555 on News Radio 923. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Thousands of people gathered at the Michigan State University campus in East Lansing, Michigan last night to honor the uh, three students that were killed, five others hurt in a mass shooting earlier this week. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer was among the speakers there. The founder of Wall Street Bets is suing Reddit, accusing the company of wrongfully banning him from moderating the community and undermining his trademark rights. Jamie Rod, uh, Rogazinski started that uh, Wall Street Bets subreddit back in 2012. It became famous during the uh, meme stock craze. Uh, and he was banned from the from his own subreddit for apparently trying to make himself rich. So uh, he's now seeking a million dollars in damages. And McDonald's is introducing new McPlant-based nuggets and okay. burgers. Okay. Uh, this is going to be unveiled in Germany this week or next week, I should say. Um, so yeah, I don't know who's in the market for that, but uh, maybe it'll be here eventually. Okay. Uh, here's the only thing I want. I don't. I don't mind the plant-based food. I'm not against it. I don't think that it's weird. I think that if you could manage to make plant-based food taste like a steak, I'm gonna eat it because that would be healthier. That's fine. It's got to taste like steak, though. You not almost. A, it's not. We're not talking like Diet Coke. You are a better man than me. No, but but I, w I am against it. Oh, no, I don't mind. I, I have no problem with it. I you know cutting down on the the need to to raise cattle and all of the various issues with the you know the amount of land that it takes to raise cattle and feed people all of that nope i have no problem with any of it again it has to taste exactly like meat it has to and if if they get to that threshold i'm good but here's what i want i want it to be colored so that i know that's what i'm eating <laughs> i think there ought to be a law so that says that you know plant fake meat must be I don't know, bright green, <laughs> you know, bright. It has to be something purple. 
So the, it has to pass the blindfold test where you can't tell the difference. That's right. But the patty itself has to look bright That's right. Green. That That is the only way we're going to have a, you know, I, I, I have to be able to know that it's fake. You cannot pass it off as if it's real and make it look like it's a real. No, no. It needs to look fake and taste authentic. Well, let's get you on the uh, plant-based food advisory committee. <laughs> That's right. That's, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't, I don't mind the concept of it. And you're like, well, nobody's going to eat a purple hamburger. You'll get used to it. You get used to it. It's no big deal. No, you'll, you'll, you'll adapt. You know, nobody's, nobody's going to eat uh, blue chicken. Yes, you will. <laughs> It'll go great with that uh, there. green ketchup they tried that's, to yeah, sell right. about 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thanks so much for the update, David. 558 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, did you see this? You see this thing with, um, and I guess the preferred pronunciation is now, God, I hate, I hate changing pronunciations. Is it Elon Musk now? It's not Elon. It's Elon. I don't know. I'm going to say Elon. Anyway. Elon Musk was not happy that President Biden's tweet during the Super Bowl got way more reach and engagement than his did. And his answer was not the typical human answer of, well, I guess I better do a better job of fashioning my tweets. No, his answer is to go to the Twitter team and instruct them to boost his posts uniquely. And they did so by a factor of 1,000 times. So basically... Everybody gets all of Elon's stuff in their feet, or at least they were, and then they kind of reduced the factor by it. But he was so frustrated that he felt like his tweet should be getting more. Like, everybody should hear whatever they want, and also my stuff. Oh, that is a, that's an, that's an ugly look. <laughs> that's a really ugly, vain look for a billionaire. Your home for Brian Kilmeade. Weekdays 11 to 1 is... News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.